0: Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Hallelujah! You know the communion and the cross, I think, are pretty inseparable, um, because the cross is where the is where the blood was shed. It was where the atonement happened. And I can't think, you know, woe wo- wo- wo to me if I ever take these elements lightly, you know. And so it's, 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 this is an incredibly privileged time to be together as a church family on a Sunday morning. And um, Jesus said to his disciples, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in me. And um, some, some folks think that's actual transubstantiation. It's the actual body and, body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, do this in remembrance of me. We're we not drinking the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ, but we're remembering him when we share this. It's important to remember that. Amen. Um, Jesus, is, Jesus is sitting right next to our Father God right now on his right hand. That's where he is. But what he was saying is, in all of this, unless you believe in me, in my life, and in my suffering, you really don't have any part with me. That's what he was really saying to his disciples. He's saying, when he said, pick up your cross, share in my suffering, you're going to go through all of this stuff for me. That's what he, was, that's what he meant. He says, be a part of this with me and never forget that every time you drink and you eat the bread, you must remember me, remember the cross, amen? And so that's just such a powerful thing for a Christian, for a believer, amen? And this identification with Calvary's cross, that's part of our confession of faith. There's no new life, there's no salvation without turning to the cross that's part of our confession of faith that according to Romans 10:9 we have to confess with our mouth that Jesus died on a cross before we even talk about the resurrection he died first amen and so without the r- reality in our lives of the power of the cross I'm not even talking about i mean how powerful was the resurrection the resurrection was unbelievable but without even talking about that, what about the power of the cross? Amen. Not to realize the power of the cross in our lives is to actually take on weakness in our lives. Because we would be much weaker for not having the cross in our lives. So we embrace the cross. We're so thankful for the resurrection, but we embrace the cross. Amen. And in 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says there that the message of the cross is, cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are, what does it say, being saved is the power of God. So that, that symbol, that emblem, and you'll see it on tattooed on people's bodies and worn around their necks and on earrings and trinkets and bracelets, you'll see it on the back of cars, You'll see it wherever you go. You'll see the cross. But to some, it's foolishness. It's, it's, uh, some may think it's even just, a, is that your talisman? No, it's the power. It's the, that's what gives me power. That's what powers my life, the cross. And so um, we've got to be careful we don't end up over-symbolizing this just for, for that. You know, it's it's not just something that becomes a nice work of art, or you know, whatever. It's something that has such meaning. And when we all come back to the foot of the cross, that's where our sins are forgiven. That's that it was at that moment it, all of the, the the blackness of sin was was forgiven. Hallelujah. And so I want to read to you this morning from Mark, chapter 15. Could you? Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark chapter 15. And I'm going to read from verse 21. Amen. Verse 21 says, They compelled a certain man named Simon. He was a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross, and they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he didn't take it. He, he turned that away. He, he was going to have complete clarity of mind, completely sober, nothing. No pain relief, no nothing. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments that he was completely naked on a cross. We see what we see in pictures and in art and in images, but they stripped him and he he was put there so that shame and scorn could be poured on him. They cast lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour and they crucified him So it was about nine o'clock in the morning. They crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above the king of the Jews. Hallelujah for that inscription. That it said the king of the Jews and it didn't say he said he was the king of the Jews. Hallelujah for the fact that they put there here is the king. Here's the king. Amen. He's the king. And so with him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads. Can you have this mental picture of these people walking there and saying, aha, you who who destroy the temple and build it in three days, Save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking among themselves with the scribes, said, He saved others, but himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Amen. Then in verse 33 now, when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, until about three o'clock. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he's calling out for Elijah. Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. You can imagine the contempt in their voices. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and he breathed his last earthly breath. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. So when the centurion, this is a wonderful, this is a wonderful scripture. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. Amen. It goes on to say that there were women there, etc. I wanted to finish on that one. The centurion says, truly, this man is the son of God. You know, that day the earth was covered in darkness and the earth was shaken so much that some of the tombs in the area were actually opened. And did you know that there were some people, some saints resurrected from the dead that day? You can read that in Matthew 27, 52. Some of the saints that were in the vicinity of Jerusalem, they were, they were raised up to, new, to, to, to life that day. So death had already begun to lose its uh, grip on those that it held captive. Because we, th- we know Jesus died, he went to the pit of hell, and he won, our, he won victory for us. Yes. But at the cross death was already having to let go. The cross couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't bind him. Death was already having to let go. And the resurrection hadn't even taken place yet. Some, if you study and read scholars, some people say that as far away as Egypt and Greece, the sky was black. Some people believe darkness actually covered the the whole face of the earth. And the temple veil, which was about six, between 60 and 90 feet high. Can you imagine that? How high is this building? A 25 feet, maybe? The temple The temple veil was torn in two at the same time that Jesus breathed his last breath. That veil, that curtain was completely torn in two. Now, what what would the people have thought about that? The Jews, the people in the area, the priests, they would have thought, this is catastrophic. This is the end of our nation. This is the end of the church. This is, look at what's happening. This has been, how, how can this possibly happen? We're only allowed to go beyond this curtain once a year. And that's only one of us. All of that was being ripped apart. And, wow, I can't, you know, one day, one day I, I, I hope that God is going to say, my child, come and sit down. I want to show you this movie. <laughs> this is what happened on that day. I'm going to be like, I'm not moving. I want to see. I want to see that with my own eyes. I have faith I have I have see these I see all this in by eyes of faith the holy spirit has given us all a creative mind I imagine what it must have been like but the only thing that was being destroyed was the separation between god and us that's what was being destroyed that was totally done away with that day the high priest with these bells on I'm going behind The curtain, and if anything goes wrong and I die because I've 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 um, taken God's presence casually, when you hear the bell stop ringing, please pull me out with this long rope that's tied to my waist. I didn't. I would not want to be a high priest (laughs) or one of those guys that was walking with the ark, moving the ark, and and he stumbled and touched the ark and he was, he was struck dead, and so. The cross you know some people might be repulsed by the the cross, some people think, you know what I can take I can he- take your Christianity, but don 't come with that horror story of the cross because you don 't really know what it was like you weren 't there. I believe that it was worse than I can imagine because you know who was involved the devil and and he was With every bit of malevolence in his body, he wanted to not only crucify Christ, but pulverize him. And so, what do we need to do to convince people to give their lives to Jesus Christ? For me, that's the way. It's the cross, because the cross speaks of forgiveness. The cross speaks of uh, mercy. Mercy just an amazing grace. The cross just shouts that out, you know. And some people would say, well, do you know what? It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance after all, isn't it? And it's true. The goodness of God does lead us to repentance. You can read it in Romans 2.4. Despise thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Praise the Lord. God is good yes. all the time. But I love this verse because it clears up the whole mystery, and if you can put your hands up if you if you've ever thought like me. Why do people that are wicked get along just fine? Why do, people, why do people who have no interest in God or the church, why do, they, why do they all sail along and everything seems to be just fine? Oh boy, that seems like such an injustice. I get so discouraged. Maybe it makes us tempted to think, do you know what, I could still... Go back and enjoy the pleasures of life just like everyone else, and it'll be okay because God is good and He'll lead me back. I'll I'll repent. The sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous anyway, so everything's going to be fine. But if you read the next verse, it solves the mystery. Because it says there but God's word says that you're storing up a treasure for yourself. And you'll be accountable to the hardness of your hearts towards me one day. So all of, all of this, despising, despising God's goodness, his forbearance, his, all of that, you're storing up a treasure trove for yourself, but not in a good way. One day accountability will come. And so the goodness of God to people who reject God's character, it's not Intended to encourage them or give them a license to keep on living life any way they want. It's meant to win them to Christ. Look how good I am. I guarantee you, if you would forsake those things that you hold so dear, I promise you a blessed life. Not an easy life, but you will be blessed. You will be taken care of. You will go, th- you will go through trials and tribulations. But I will never leave you or forsake you, and this life is a breath. I was um, on Wednesday this week. I was searching, for, asking for a title for the message today, and the Holy Spirit said to me, "You're going to speak on suddenly." This is before the weekend. Before my grand goes, says, "You're going to speak on suddenly." I said, "Ah, oh, okay." In the twinkling of an eye. One breath. How many times have you, how many times have you blinked your eyes since you've been at church, Lewis? Dozens of times. In the blink of an eye, in the blink of an eye, your life could change. In the blink of an eye. And so, I thought, okay, suddenly, there's too much at stake for us to, in the times that we're living in now, to say, do you know what, just a little bit longer, Lord, just a little bit longer, I'm going to, do your, I'm going to come back, I'm going to do your will with my whole heart, I'm going to serve you again, just a little bit longer, but in the twinkling of an eye, he's, Jesus is coming back. And so there's things that are happening suddenly in the earth. This week, or next week, or next month, one country could invade another. A war could be declared. A catastrophe could happen. In your local area. Anything could happen. Amen. But Psalm 1611 says that you'll show me the path of life, because in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So we, uh, the, the, the pleasures we enjoy here are for a season. But at his right hand, there's pleasures forever and ever and ever. Into eternity, amen. And so, you know, this joy, I was having a conversation with a young man recently. We talked about that. The word says that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Because if we know there's joy at the end of the road, ah, there's joy in the in, there's joy on the journey too. But there's joy for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. Where is the joy? The joy is in the presence of the Lord. And where are we today? We're together in the presence of the Lord. Wherever two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. Please come to church, family, if you, if you spread the word. Come back to church. Come back to church. Do not be put off by scientific opinion, whether it be fact or not. Come back to church. Because there'll be one thing after another after another. Suddenly there'll be another virus. Suddenly there'll be another calamity. Come back to church come back to church. Amen. Amen. For the joy set before me endured the cross and that's where that is found, at the right hand of the Father. So we need an encounter with the cross. Amen, church? When we get close to the cross, we read about the passion. Who's seen the film The Passion of the Christ? We read about the passion that Jesus had to have to go to the cross We read those words in Mark 15. Does it take us back to the day that we first heard about the cross, that we realized the day that it became so obvious to us that we also said, surely this man, Jesus, is special. Does it take us back to when we say the same as this, surely this was the son of God. Have we said that? Have we said that? Amen. Amen. What made the centurion say that? Jesus' character on the cross. Because he forgave from the cross. Father, forgive them. Forgive them for they, they know not what they do. And then on the cross, he cries out to his, to his, to his father. This centurion, something in Jesus' actions and words changed this centurion's mind to believing the power of the cross. Amen? And it really affected the centurion. And having a right view of what Christ did for us on the cross, that's what brings the unbeliever to Christ. Amen? You know, it's one thing to lay down your life as a sacrifice for the people that you love, but it's another thing completely to lay down your life for sin and sinners who hold you in contempt and who hate you. Imagine that. It's one thing, you know, I'd, I'd, I would lay down my life for you. Greater love has no man than this, than he who lays down his life for a friend. I, you know what? I would lay down my life for you. And the, the Lord will test us in that area. What he'll say, the shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. But how much more difficult it is to lay down your life for someone that that hates you. That that is the character of Christ that we need to live in this world, because bitterness and hatred is pff, it's way up, it's escalating really quickly. Amen. So, you know this 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 morning is was. It's not, a, it's not a funeral or a eulogy, we honoured my grand, but it's about the cross, it's about the communion time we're going to have, and, unfo- and death is a part of that, and we have to understand that death makes way for life. Jesus gave his life so that we could have life, so we, we got life through death, isn't that right? A beautiful exchange to th- took place, Place. Amen. And the, the, the sting of death, which is sin, and the victory of death. I, I was looking for a word to describe this. And I came up with the word confiscated. A greater authority took that, took that thing called death and said, you have no more authority over my children. You have no more authority over a believer I'm confiscating this from you. You no longer hold the power of death over those that have given their hearts to me. I thought that's probably quite a good word. Amen. Amen. Death still exists, but it has no jurisdiction over you. It has no jurisdiction. It cannot inflict a lasting sentence on you if you are in Christ Jesus, if you're here this morning and you're afraid of death, I want to say you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Because to be, to be absent from this body now in, this, in the church age is to be present with the Lord. Amen. So so much is accomplished through death. Who did biology at school? So much is accomplished through Something giving up its life or dying. Amen. Life is created through the process of death. Dying to yourself. The old things have passed away. All things become new. Dying to yourself to make way, to make room for new things. We've got life today because of death. In 1 Corinthians, I'm going to close just shortly. We're going to have communion. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says from verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a a moment, suddenly, in the twinkling of the eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable in this mortal body must put on immortality. Oh, the, the, you know, Linda and I went to the Fountain of Youth once. Yeah, the real Fountain of Youth. And we drank from the Fountain of Youth. I want to tell you now, it tasted horrible and it didn't make one bit of difference to me. The Fountain of Youth It's in Fort Augustus, Florida, if you're interested. And you can go to the Fountain of Youth and drink from the stream with a little cardboard cup. And be disgusted by the taste of the water. And leave there and you go to the first mirror that you can see. And it does not work. The only thing that rejuvenates our mortal bodies is is the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. It's the only thing that'll bring you, it's the only thing that'll keep you going at 94 year old. It's the only thing that'll keep you going past a ton. Amen. Hallelujah. God is so good. He, he said, um, three score years and 10, if by reason of strength, three score years and 10. And now, people are living to 80 and 90 and beyond and Satan comes to steal kill and destroy and to rob life, young life and we declare no in the name of Jesus no suicide in our area no dysfunctional families in our area come against the division that, that, that Satan brings into families to bring dysfunction and division, amen when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Amen. Church, death's going to have its day. It's, it, it has no power over us. And according to Revelation 20, verse 14, it's going to be abolished. Death itself will be cast into the lake of fire. That's where it's going. That's its home. The last enemy, the last enemy. And people think, oh boy, that's the last thing, isn't it, that we'll face on this earth, death. Yeah, but not if, you, not if you know Jesus. Not if you know him. That's no longer the last great unknown. Because if you know Jesus, you know where you're going. It's, nothing, it's like, and, and so, much, so many of us, we are afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of what's behind us. And Jesus says, Do not fear. Do not fear. When we die, the angels will just go, Shh, you're away. They will escort you to glory. Oh, angels, escorting you to glory. (laughs) The last enemy will be destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15 26, the last enemy will be destroyed. The struggle with sin gone. The sorrow and the suffering that sin has brought into this world, gone. End of. No more sin, no more suffering. He will wipe every tear away from your eye. There will be no death. There will be no mourning, no crying, no pain. Revelation 21.4. And I'm going to close with this. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 15 deliver all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. If you're in this place today, if you're listening online and you're afraid of death, you're a slave to it for the rest of your life. And he says, through fear of death, you become a slave to it. And we are no longer slaves. No longer slaves. Set free. Set free. Hallelujah. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com, and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.